Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One artist. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer! And I'm your other host, somewhat lesser excited, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You're out for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Wow. <laughs> I've, I've never been so afraid of a podcast. Hey, Eric! Wow, you're on crack today. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Having a, having a cup of joe with my bro. I'm drinking Coca-Cola Zero. Of course you are, but now I want one. You shouldn't have said that. Well, they do sell it at stores. I know. I'm going to have to go to a store and procure one, exchange money for goods and services. That's how America works. It, it's how America works. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, excuse I can, you. I can never get a hold of how you pronounce it. Yeah, holt of it. A holt. Mm-hmm. So, Handsomeites, how you guys doing out there? We're finishing up Preacher this week. Three-week journey into Preacher. Preacherdom. 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 Preaching. Into, into Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon face. Mm-hmm. Dylan face. Dylan I drew face. a Dylan face last night. Did you? Yep, it was on accident. <laughs> I'm not sure if he always does it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I think it just sort of happens with him. Uh, but yeah, we got a, a good week of comics to talk about. Got some preachers to talk about. Let's just get right to it. Sound good to you, Eric? Do it to it. Time for weekly floppies. Weekly floppies is a part of the show, and Eric and I will review the week's books tell you to buy do not buy them we're smart guys you should listen to us <laughs> oh man you got the sillies today i need to get it out somehow because i'm going crazy in my house i don't doubt it you you're packing up all your shit no one's there but you I've just you ca- and cats me and cats you and cats this is this this is this i'm the first person you've talked to since friday I talked to Kim on the phone. Okay. So, starting off this week, we are reading Suiciders, number two. Written, uh, drawn by Lee Bermejo. Matt Hollingsworth did colors. J.K. Fletcher doing the letters. So, we read the first issue of this. We, uh, we liked it well enough. We enjoyed it. I'm torn on this one. Because I really like the storyline with the, uh... Immigrant guy with super boxing gloves, but following Mr. Famous Dude around seems it's very stereotyped, very kind of tropey. I don't know. It. I think the the in, the big meaty guy with super boxing gloves is really cool, but the other guy just seems very like. I mean, they play off the fact that he's not, you know, that he's aware that this is a trope that he's you know Mr. Fa- famous and rich, but he is disaffected. But it's still the same. He's Mr. Famous and Rich, and he's disaffected. It's not 
it's that I don't know interesting to me. It's still very pretty. That's certainly a very nice looking book. I think it's odd. I don't know. I don't particularly see it any worse for the wear, any more trope ridden than anything else about this book about futuristic death sports. Um, yeah, the first issue was pretty tropey in itself. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't particularly see a problem with it. It, it, it doesn't excite me, but it is a very beautiful looking book. And I think that's most of the draw of what this is. I mean, it's a fine enough story, but I think you're supposed to just be taken in by the, the beauty and the realism of the art. And that's about the beginning and end of it. It's a fine enough story, but it's, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of noir in this book's reads. There is. This was one of the last ones I've read, but I got to this one, I was like, everything's noir. Well, that was an intentional theme. I did it on purpose. Was it an intentional theme? Mm Mm-hmm. I went, I know all these books have inside them without reading them. So, that's just like when I choose all all number ones, I do it strictly on purpose. It's master plan. It's all there. Well. Well. Um, yeah. I I think you're right. I think the art is good enough for me to just say it's dumb, but who, there is a dude wearing gigantic boxing gloves. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. They they keep showing the image of him in those boxing gloves, and he looks like a Looney Tunes character. <laughs> that's why I, I think I like it, just because of yeah. It's, it's very, a little odd. It's very it's like super ripped Jesus in his boxing gloves, standing yeah. in front of the mirror. Well, he's got a he's he's got a flex. He's lots of pictures of of the fighter dudes everywhere. Maybe he can. I don't know. I'm 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 ridiculous. Buy. I like it enough to buy it. So buy it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a solid buy. Mm, it might as well. I mean, I do. I enjoy it better than the first one. I think that was kind of my issue with the first the first one is that it's um you know it's just a silly it's a silly book and it's setting up a lot of stuff and now that we have a few more characters to to work with it it feels a lot richer of a story but really you know one of like the three characters that seemed like they were going to be important just got her throat cut can't have no can't be having no females in this book this is all a dream, though, Eric. That's he's gonna wake up and she'll be in bed next to him. Oh, okay. Maybe. It's Rick probably... boxing glove Jesus is a dream. You gotta <laughs> stop eating before bed. <laughs> I wish Rip boxing glove Jesus was in my dreams. That'd be pretty cool. I, if you say so, that's weird. I just see garbage dreams where I can't find my glasses. Why? Why are they in the garbage? The, the dreams are garbage. Okay. I can't find my glasses in the dreams, and they're garbage because that's all they are. That's terribly interesting. <laughs> That's what everyone says. Everyone says, man, you should tell everyone about your dreams because they're so interesting. Do they say it like that? So interesting. <laughs> they do. So, uh, double buy. Suiciders number two. Woo! Next up, <laughs> Gotham Academy number six. Ending the arc. Written by Becky Clunan and Brendan Fletcher. Art by Carl Kershaw with Ming Helen Chen. Pitching in, colors by M. Sassy K and Serge Lapointe, and Ming Helen Chen, letters by Steve Wands. Uh, lots of stuff happened in this book, actually. It's pretty stepped up the pace. Mm-hmm. We've got Crockett Batman, Olive showing off some sort of ability. 
fire ability, seemingly. Uh, we get an official detective club, uh, the p- pizza club, as it were, mm-hmm. which I can get behind pizza clubs. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I can get behind pizza clubs. Why did You've you? probably had a pizza club yourself this weekend, didn't you? Mostly Fruity Pebbles. Oh, man. I think that's even sadder. <laughs> I did have pizza, but not the... I've eaten Fruity Pebbles yesterday and today, so that's probably... You're, 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 you're disgusting. You disgust me. <laughs> but we get a big uh, reveal at the end. Uh, I, I'm guessing this is depowered Damian Wayne. Is joining Gotham I, Academy? I hope so. It's not the super, well, he's using a, a grappling hook. I don't. If he could fly, I don't think he'd be doing that. So, well, hopefully, Becky Cloonan is just like that. Shit's fucking dumb. <laughs> so it's not going in my book. But I, I do Listen, like they. They, they tease. They tease Damien. Was it in the last book or was it in an ad for this book? I don't remember if it was. If it, but if they're teasing Damien Wayne coming to Gotham Academy twice at the end of an issue that's going to irritate the crap out of me where where did they where did they tease this i don't know this is the first time i saw it so it's probably in some ad maybe it was just maybe it was on their twitter i don't know for some reason i was thinking it was at the end of an actual comic no this is the first was like first sign of it in, in the comic oh well really looks just like he looks like mini bruce wayne well he is his son i understand how genetics work <laughs> Do you? Do we need to have a genetics lecture right now, Eric? I I don't think you could give me one. Brown hair plus brown hair equals brown hair. <laughs> you just that just equals a pile of brown hair. <laughs> That's my genetics lesson. I learned at barber school. At barber school, <laughs> Barbara school, Barbara's. They they teach you how to handle two handed battle axes and wear uh, leather armor. Not uh, not loincloths. Not loincloths, though. Okay. I still really enjoy this book. Everyone needs to buy this book. It's it's a lot of fun. It's really it's beautiful. Even with the, there's filling art in this, and you really can't. Uh... You can you can tell, but it doesn't it doesn't stand out or look terrible. No, it looks uh, it looks nice, and it this is. I mean, I guess people criticize this book there's not a lot happening but this book certainly doesn't have that there's not that there's a lot of stuff in this and it's a lot of fun a lot of character very beautiful uh and i really like the fact that damian wayne without superpowers is going to be at the academy i think that's interesting Mm. yeah damian wayne does not need superpowers it's just gross (laughs) that really did just make me so angry oh my god was it Robin Rise's Alpha that happened in? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, man, I can do stuff. Yeah. Beom. Great. That Beom. was really necessary. Thanks, DC. It has its fans. They're... I can't even. <laughs> okay. Buy. Buy this book. Buy it. Go buy it, guys. Everyone, buy this I was book. literally just telling someone to buy this book last night. Everyone should be buying this book. So, but Gotham so Academy. Becky Cloonan can can buy metal albums and go to wrestling events. Yes. What? She was at a wrestling event last night. Some indie wrestling event. Wow. This is shocking. I... Bye. Double bye. Double bye. Double bye. Gotham Academy number six. That was my custom echo effect. I was really convinced. <laughs> Did you think I was like in a cave? Mm-hmm. 
You look like you're in a cave with a bed in it and Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. There is a literal Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in the room with me. Mm-hmm. He's on the wall. I can see him. He's grabbing at you. <laughs> Next up, uh, one of our two indie books of the week. It is Hit 1957, number one. Uh, written by Bryce Carlson, illustrated by Vanessa Del Rey, colors by Nico Guardia, letters by Ed Dukeshire. 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 Uh, this is a sequel, sort of, to the hit, just hit, didn't have a year after it, uh, also by Carlson and Del Rey, uh, four issue miniseries. It was very, very good, actually. I would definitely suggest anyone go pick that up and, uh, check it out. Um, so that's why I, I, I wanted to read this and see how it went. Uh, it's a noir, kind of noir, corrupt cops in LA slash West Coast detective story. What do you think, Eric? Did, could you follow what was going on? Because it, it picks up to, some of the characters from yeah, the original. To an extent, and I, I did not really know any of this going into it, but I did sort of get the idea that there's something that I'm kind of expected to know and I don't know. So I kind of wondered if there was if there was more to this than what's on the page here, and I'm not surprised that there is. It is a good enough story. It's compelling enough. The Something about, like, it, it is a very text-heavy book. It is throwing a lot, a lot of information at you. I mean, and a lot of it is just sort of um, for atmosphere. You know, they, they speak in that noir narration voice mm-hmm. an awful lot. And it doesn't always necessarily communicate all the information that it, it tells you a lot more than you need. That and the art, I think, is very busy. Not bad, but very, very busy. So it's kind of an exhausting book to read. Did you get any of that? Uh, there's certainly that the thing about the text heavy and all that, all the mm-hmm. noir narration. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it does it a, a little bit of a disservice. Yeah. I think if it had gone a little bit lighter on that, it, yes, it probably the pages are busy for mm-hmm. sure, and it doesn't need. I, I don't know. I, the first that first series was a little bit more minimalistic, at least in my memory. And I think a part of that is them trying to fill in gaps where maybe people didn't read that first series. And even though some, a lot of this stuff isn't in that first series. I mean, most of it is just, you see this, uh, that main cop character and the, uh, the, the woman, her, their, how their, what their relationship is in their pasts. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is kind of just illusions and stuff. Um, I think it clears up as they move through the book. There's less of that, and it, I, I think it's better for that. Although I don't know, there's still a bunch of it near that near in that flashback scene too. But I don't know. I guess just because there's no dialogue as well for the most part. When you have all these dialogue, well, the, all this dialogue plus all the narration, mm-hmm. there's a lot of text on one page. I mean, it does help keep you. It does slow you down as a reader, um, but I, some of it feels unnecessary. Although I still do like it a lot. I, I I enjoy it as well, but I I think that half as much as in it could have gone in it and it would have worked better. Yeah, probably. I think that's I'm gonna have to reread hit uh, the originals and see if it if I my memory serves me correctly because I felt like that there was a, there was less there, but I, I'm still a buy. I'm still a buy. I I really love that original series. And I expect this one. The way that turned out was really interesting. And I think uh, with the same creative team, I, I'm I'm trustworthy enough to say buy this. 
especially if you like noir and you know L.A. Confidential, all that. Uh, all the uh, was it Elwood, all his novels, Black Dahlia, and all that. It's very similar. So bye. Yeah, I'm sensing some mushiness. Mm. Mm. Un poquito. Un poquito. So what? Mm-hmm. Put us on a. You give us. A, you're gonna do a one. Un. 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 So. Un mush. <laughs> so so we. Point five mush at the end of the day. Sh- sh- sure. I don't know the Spanish for point five. Mm. I'm not even gonna hazard a guess. Something's, I'm not even gonna Google it. Something cinco. <laughs> Is that the Spanish for a uh, decimal? Sure. <laughs> Cinco. <laughs> Next up, our only Marvel book of the week. I know, it's a crazy tip-top, tip-top, tip talking. It's a crazy world. I'm only reading one Marvel book. Uh, Powers, number two. Created by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Emming. Uh, to, to, help, to create this comic, you have to have three names. Mm-hmm. Colors to be an assassin. Colors by Nick Filardi and letters by Chris the Greek Alopolis. Yep. Published by John Wilkes Booth. What do you think, Eric? You liked the first one. You hadn't read any powers I before. Did, I did I did like the first one. And I like this one. Um the story is told in sort of a weird way. Like the whole like first chunk of it is just like weird voiceover. By a dead by the dead she's guy. Just running around, yeah. It's it's odd, and then naked fight scenes. I'm in, I'm for naked fight scenes. I'm I'm not against them. I um I kind of wish that uh, I'm seeing now that this is not the kind of book that I particularly want to look at in 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 a, a monthly uh, format because I think that getting this much of the story. And then waiting a month is really going to grate on my nerves. This is, this is, I think, an excellent book to pick up a trade for because you'll get whole stories and, you know, not cliffhangers from month to month. It just feels like this issue is just a tease that way. It, it, it opens up a lot of interesting concepts. The art is still wonderful. My only criticism is I wish there was more of it and I'm willing to wait for the whole arc rather than pick them up monthly. This is a good example of that for at least my tastes. Mm, yeah, it's Bendis, you know, mm-hmm. decompressed storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. Um, I I don't disagree with you, necessarily. Um, I do really enjoy this issue, though. I really did. It, the, your, the, the ending does have a, 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 you know, it does open, ask a lot of questions, I guess. It, mm-hmm. it's you're like what the hell is that uh i wish there was more uh christian but i guess we have to see him go down even further we do we do get to see his ass we do ass huh is which is christian the uh guy gets beaten up with a crowbar yeah we see his ass oh yeah we see that for sure stop looking stop looking at his butt there's no editorial notes about looking at butts so i can look at his butt as I, much as i, I want I just told you to stop looking at his butt. You're not the editor, though. How do you know? You don't work for Marvel. I have three names. So do I, technically. Well, I know, but... Okay. Well, we Yours can are... both assassinate people <laughs> and 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 work on this book. Yours are more interesting, but that doesn't... I don't, I don't think that's a, a necessary for murder. Eh. No, you have to have... They have to be interesting, too. 
but I'm a buy. Although I I, yeah. I I won't I wouldn't fault like Eric said I won't fault anyone for waiting for Trace for powers. I I, I just any Bendis books you're kind of like okay they're fun from issue to issue, but it's just, it is a lot of talking, a lot of character stuff, which it's a bit it's a bit much. Some people really like, and some people think it's uh, hacky. I'm kind of in the middle there, mm. but I'm a buy on this particular issue. It, it's certainly not bad. Are you are you are you a, a buy with that caveat? Eric? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think I am, but I, I'm a I'm a much further buy. I'm a uh, a much clearer buy. Less mushy on the trade mm-hmm. trade weight on this, but you know, there's no. It's a fine book. So yeah, we'll 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 mush it up. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. How much? I would say all the way, just oh. simply because I would. I think that it's better to wait for the trade on this. Okay, so that put us at a two and a half on the mm-hmm. mush on the mush meter. Powers number two. Lastly, is uh, I had called an audible. It's the first comic I put on here uh, isn't available digitally, unfortunately. So I went to tried and true the original the original writer. Mm-hmm. We got we got uh, Nemo. Colon River of Ghosts, which uh, is a gigantic chunk of story for your four dollars. It is fifty pages. It's so much. It's it's like a it, it, it's like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, trade paperback almost. Yeah, uh, written by Alan Moore, drawn by Kevin O'Neill. It says mixed by Ben DiMaggio. I don't know what mixed what? colored. I guess. Inked. Uh, Todd Klein. I know Todd Klein is the letterer. I know what that. I know who Todd Klein is doing the, the letters. I don't know what mixed means, but I assume it's colors or inks or something along those lines. Um, this is following the old, the, the the kind of the last adventure of the Nemo, the the female matriarch of 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 the name Nemo, which we see her, I guess, grandfather in the original League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now she is, she's not, her herself is, is old and trying to, uh, track down the weird, this, this, uh, female villain who killed her father, correct? And she thought she was dead, but there's, they're getting reports of her alive again. And so she's tracked, she's taking out, uh, taking out the Nautilus to track down the lead on this. And with the help of, uh, you know, a motley cast, cast, motley crew along, and this new, uh, was it Hercules? He's Cog- called himself Hugo Hercules. But yeah, he's, Coglin. He's an, he- yeah, he's a, an Irish. He's, he's basically is the Irish Hercules. I, I had to look up a lot of the characters in this. He's finding very weird and obscure ones. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, Alamore. Um, but it's, I mean, it's that kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen story. She, they, you mm-hmm. know, they go in the Amazon, they see, uh, creatures from the Black Lagoon. Um, I, they I fight Nazi fembots. Nazi fembots? Yeah. They're, uh, what do they call them? Bikinitrons. What the hell? Irish Hercules eats a sacred cow pie. He does. Doesn't really sa- like that. Sounds like it's cow dookie, but it's not. <laughs> no, it is a literal pie with a cow in it, a sacred cow, because all the uh, it's got horns sticking out. Yeah, he he knocks out a, a T Rex. He does. No, he kills it. And then Excuse- he eats it. He doesn't even ki- he doesn't knock it out. He murders it with one punch. But it's a uh, you know, I enjoyed it. It's it's Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. These guys know how to do comic books. They yeah, it's pretty it's pretty well Alan Moore. Yeah. Is it too much Alan Moore for you? 
I don't think so. He's not quite gotten insufferable to me, but this is it, it's more so than some of his older stuff has been. But it's pretty good. It's got bikini trons in it. It does. Nazi fembots in uh, Nazi Amazon fembots. Am- Amazonian temples. Mm-hmm. Eating giant pies made out of a whole cow. <laughs> and the uh, Hercules guy just ripping apart robots, lady robots. Mm-hmm. I like Hercules guy. He's pretty good. Yeah. What do you think about? I don't think we've ever we've never really discussed Kevin O'Neill his style before. Do you? It's interesting. I don't think it really terribly suits me. I'm glad that there are people in the world that make comics that look like this. They just it doesn't quite work for me. It's got like a weird naivete to it. But I mean, it works. It tells a story. He's he's not he's not unskilled. It just I just don't particularly care for the the way he draws figures. It's a little clunky. They feel like a little stiff. But I mean, he he makes a good page. You know. Mm-hmm. I think he works really well with his colorist. They're. Uh, who did you say was doing the colors for this? Or is it mixed by? Mixed by Ben something or other. Whatever that means. Ben. I think it was Ben. Yeah. Ben Dimajmal. <laughs> that just kind of spilled out my mouth. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. D-I-M-A-G-M-A-L-I-W. What do you do with the guy's name ends with a W? Well, I don't Dim- know. I don't. I guarantee that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but I mean, it four dollars you get like fifty pages of story. I, I, you know, it's and it's fun. It's a fun adventure story. You like it if you like. You're probably already buying this <laughs> if, if you like Alan Moore and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. all the extended, st- extended stories and all that stuff. Um, but it's not necess- It's not a bad place to jump on board. I mean, I, I didn't need to. I didn't haven't read any. I think I read the original League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I've not read any of the extended stuff since then, and I followed it well enough. You just kind of, kind of. So, bye. I like it. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, double bye. Yes, in- indeed. See, Eric threw in an indeed. indeed. I was waiting for an indeed. Well, talent. Indeed, as as well as an action. I don't know. So double by or Nemo River of Ghosts. That was your Alan Moore. It, I I couldn't get into it, so I just had to try. Just think of oatmeal. <laughs> Close your eyes and think of oatmeal. Oatmeal. That was a little bit better, just by saying that. That's my key. That's my word. That's how I get into characters. Think of oatmeal. You just go. I like my oatmeal al dente. I that's bet you do. That's a deep pull. Sir, our Alan Moore's. Did you read anything else this week, Eric? Not really. I wanted to. I wanted to read Jim. I'm disappointed we don't get to talk about Jim. I'm sorry. I I read one other comic, which actually it came out last. It? It, it it came out last week. Uh, it's called Giant Days. Oh, the John Allison. Yep. You you uh, you're familiar. I'm familiar with the John Allison. Uh, I think I've even talked to him on Twitter a little bit. Yeah. He's uh, he's been kicking around a long time doing. Doing comics. I I don't particularly love every single one, but he's he's got his fan base. He yeah. consistently is putting uh, good work out. Yeah, it's, it's a little uh, too English for me. Written by him. This is illustrated by Lisa Tremaine. Um, I actually had uh, heard about it on the uh, House to Astonish podcast, which is a couple of British okay. guys, a couple of British guys who do review comics. Um, 
And they said uh, they recommended just simply on the merits of like it's like Gotham Academy sort of. And like if you like they like if you like that you like this. And it is this is a very much a college coming of age story. No, it's not super. It's no superpowers or supernatural or anything like that. But it is certainly a college story. It's really well written and it's fun. I liked it a lot, so I definitely suggest it. Well, Mito Torpedo. It's a it's a mini anyway, so it's not gonna it's not uh, ongoing. So close my ipad for now come back to it later old close betsy. it up old betsy but uh, floppy's part of the week is now over until next week eric's showing off his guns Ooh. yeah you're getting all getting all wiggly in your pampers there aren't you yep i am wearing pampers mm-hmm. i mean you know fiance's out of the house cats shit everywhere anyway so <laughs> they do indeed <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned it up this morning. Uh, so, we can this over. It's time for checking in. I just don't get tired of that noise. Yeah, I don't think you should. Checking in this part show, Eric and I will talk about what it's been up to you during the week. I uh, make recommendations, etc., etc. Eric, what's up? Oh, drinking draws, what's up? I was going to talk about my fancy keyboard that I no longer own. It's still there. It might work. Yeah, it's not going to work. It might. Maybe it'll work. Whatever the case is, it's your fault, Norman. Put it in the oven at the lowest heat. Not going to do that. <laughs> Put it in a giant thing of rice. Not good. That doesn't work. That's <laughs> like a cell phone. It works. No, it doesn't. Keyboards uh, are not like cell phones. <laughs> so just... anyway, <laughs> yes, I had a really wonderful, beautiful keyboard. It was a Razor Widowmaker. And my entire cup of coffee was like, oh, well, I'm just going to pour all of me on this. I take no no part in this. I'm, I'm really angry. So you can play it on me. That's fine. <laughs> Nintendo's, it's Nintendo's fault now. It is. It is Nintendo's cheat. Are we going to blame, uh, blame Mario Brothers on this? Bong? I'm so angry. Bong? I'm so pissed. Screw you, Dorman. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'll, when I invent my time machine, first thing I'll do. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm throwing that coffee cup out. That is it. Both times it happened, it was that same cup. So I'm going to buy a cup of a wider base that doesn't turn over and then pour a whole cup of coffee into a keyboard twice. Jesus Christ. I would, you know what I would say? Just throw out everything in your house. Throw you out. Start over. How was Drink and Draw? It was low-key. You know, it was unusual. Not a not a bad drink and draw. We had a by the end of the night a pretty good turnout, but it was slow. You know, there were probably only eight of us there tonight. Uh, I'd say at the at the uh, probably the, the the point where we had the most people. But it was uh, it was the it was the right people turning out. I think the people that I would consider sort of the new core group of drink and draw, the people that are the most excited about it and have come the most frequently. So it's uh it was good. It was fun, you know. A lot of people are thanking me for, you know, hosting the event and a lot of people I think are really excited about it. So it's it's positive. It's not quite as uh silly as uh it has been though. I'll make it down there eventually. Yeah, I thought uh I thought old Kimbo was going to make it. Uh, her she, had, night she for... had some problems. Oh, she did. <laughs> she had she, some uh, really she bad problems. Me. Yeah, she texts me, and she didn't really tell me a lot of details, 
but she did use the word shit water. Mm-hmm. So I imagined so, like a septic tank broke or something Mm-mm. bad happened over mm. at the old homestead. Yeah, I got all the details. You don't want to know them. It was not a good night. I can I can tell you that. This is a good bridal shower, huh? So it was a bridal shower and shit water. No, her bridal shower was fine. That was much earlier in the day. Uh, I, 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 now everyone's going to just be dying. No, I want to know the details. No, they, I, know I have to know. No, I'll tell you off. Like, I'm not going to, we're not going to record it. Is that, is that, that bad, huh? It's terrible. Wow. Wow. It's the worst. It was really bad. <laughs> oh my God. I'm horrified. You you will be. Oh, it's really bad. <laughs> oh, the little shudder you just did. You'll, uh, yeah. As bad as my day was, you know, moving things all day long, packing, not even close to bad as, as poor Kim's night. Not even close. Not even close. Mm-mm. So what did you pour coffee on? <laughs> well, I haven't been drinking coffee in, like, months. Although I still have a bunch of it in my freezer. Um, don't give it to me. You buy nasty coffee. Hey, donut flavored coffee. It's yummy. Mm-hmm. Negative. <laughs> I actually have a few things to talk about this week. Next week to make up for, I guess, for nothing next week aside from moving things. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a game, first and foremost. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Eric. Uh, only what I see popping up from when it says... Mixmaster Serial is playing blah. Uh, I get a I get a preview of what you're going to be checking in with every true. week. Uh, it's a, uh, a Metroidvania type of game. You know, puzzle platforming, jumping around, acquiring new new attacks and agility abilities. You know, double jumps, all that. You know, you you've played Metroid before. It's it's you know it's one of those. Um, the art hand painted and beautifully animated it's unbelievably gorgeous um it and it certainly is the probably the strongest suit like of the game is just it's stunning to look out bright colors beautiful backgrounds um mm. really everything is bright and glowing and contrasts really well with each other uh the first 10 minutes is like a little vignette to open the game you know semi-interactive uh it's very very sad it's about as sad as the beginning of up is what i've been that's what i've been referring it to um, it really does touch your heart. Uh, I mean, the story is like you're trying to heal a forest, kind of, you know, bring nature back. It's not really the most important part of the, the story. The I think the one thing of the gameplay that stands out, you know, that's different than the typical kind of uh, formula for those types of games, is you use part of your magic powers to create save points. You manually create save points yourself. You, the game does not. The game will save for you at very big moments, like after you beat a boss or acquire something very important. But otherwise, you are on your own to when you want to create a save point, and it uses a little bit of your magic up. At first, it's a little hard, but as soon as you start acquiring a, a larger reserve, it's not a big deal to actually create them. Um, I you have, it takes some getting used to because I was dying and then forgetting. Oh, I had not saved since like ten minutes ago, and it does not keep your progress since the save point. Like even like collectibles, if you've collected anything since then, it's all still there. You have to go back and recollect things. So it really does. After a while of playing, you're like, oh, I should just save here. Like I can tell there's. Hey, look, it's a like a bunch of like stone mashy things. I'm gonna get smushed. I need to save here. I can respawn. 
but uh, a few hours into it, it's a lot of fun. It's very pretty, and it's you know it is actually pretty difficult. Uh, there's a lot of really like a lot of jumping, and you know there's infinite wall jumps. I think Super Meat Boy have infinite wall jumps. I think it did. It's just, I I don't remember honestly. I think like if you jump off of one wall to the next, you can do that. I don't remember this, but you can just jump up and down on the wall forever in this game, and you have to because there's a lot of really complicated platforming stuff. Uh, but the controls are really tight. Uh, I would definitely suggest it to pretty much anyone who likes that type of game. It's and it's very it's gorgeous. I can't say that enough. The backgrounds make me think of uh, Braid. Yeah, but it's it's it feels very uh, Miyazaki mm-hmm. inspired. Very, there's definitely Studio Ghibli feeling. So it just even in the like the story itself, it feels kind of much like, hey, you're like a little mm-hmm. lone guy trying to bring back the forest, like yeah, like Princess Mononoke, maybe you know, or or, mm-hmm. or uh, Nausicaa. Both of those have those environmental mm-hmm. themes. A lot Other, of his films do, I think. Yeah, they do. Um, other thing I want to talk about is the third book in the Magic 2.0 series, which I've checked in with both the previous books, um, Off to Be the Wizard and Speller High Water. Uh, this is the third called An Unwelcome Quest. These are all by Scott Meyer. I uh, listened to audiobook. Uh, the same guy who did all the previous two audiobooks did this one as well. He does an amazing Leonardo. job. Leonardo. Is that his name? No, it's the guy that was Leonardo in Liquid Snake. Oh, okay. Leonardo and Ninja Turtles. I was going to say, like, he was he was a Ninja Turtles? He was a Ninja Turtle. Okay. Um, but he does a great job. It's uh, I think uh, I like this one the most. I think I like it more huh. than the first one. And the, the second one, I think, is the lowest point, even though it's not bad by any means. This one basically sees the kind of the crew that we're kind of familiar with that have been introduced in the first couple books. Uh, they are... A, 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 one, a villain from their past comes back and traps them in a video game, basically, without their powers. But the kind of the, 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 the funny, the funny, fun bit about it is that the guy is not a great programmer. So it's a poorly designed trap video game. <laughs> <laughs> like the very simple thing is like they, the first enemy they have to fight are wolves. But the wolves, all they do, they have the same animation and they look exactly the same every time. And so they're just like, they just, you know, they're expecting the wolves to get more dangerous as they go. But all they do is just make more of them. But they only attack one at a time. They just cube up behind each other. And it's just full of like them kind of talking to this this idiot villain who is trying to like lay out traps for them and just does a very poor job at it. And it's 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 a it kind of a criticism about game design as well as kind of the tropes of all this uh, this kind of fiction. It's really funny. Uh, I don't think you actually need to read the first two to get into this one. He does it. They do a pretty good really? job. Of, yeah, they do a pretty good job of laying out the the, the characters. That but, was going to be my next question: Is do you think I should? Uh, do you think I should read the second one before I read this one, or should I just jump right into this? I would suggest reading the second one anyway. It's, it's not as, I don't think it's as, it's, I think more, it's very world building. So there's not as much, I don't know. There's not much humor. I, I didn't think it was this funny. It, it, the second one focuses on Atlantis, uh, which is, uh, the like female where all the female women wizards end up because it's like a, the, where women are safe. 
because obviously like medieval England is not necessarily the most socially progressive place in the world. So they, they've set up their own society in, in ancient Atlantis. Um, there are some characters in this that are introduced in that, but nothing like that's, uh, I don't know, nothing you can't get a hold of real quick. They talk about it plenty in this book enough so that you understand what's going on. Um, but it's so good. I mean, if you liked one, I would just say read, go two and then three, just, you know, to keep it simple because two's not bad at all. I'd say it's just not as good as three. I'd say, I would say three, then one, then two are my, my, my preferred, but, but that's Unwelcome Quest, Scott Meyer. Definitely suggest it. It's a very fun science fiction slash fantasy kind of book. And series. I would suggest all the series. They're all great. Oh, so that's it for me. I packed a lot of stuff too, but that is not nearly as exciting. You're just going to start checking in with the things that you pack up? Yeah. Clothes. <laughs> Throwing away a lot of... You want you want some stools, Eric? I, I do not want your stool. Not my stool. Stools. Teal. No, thank you. Teal stools. Okay, they're going to Goodwill. No, thank you, sir. Would you like the Batman Forever soundtrack? Does it have Kiss from a Rose on it? It, it does. Wow. Maybe I do. Maybe I need that. <laughs> That's in Ken's collection. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Did I? You you remember how? Uh, I'm gonna think it was like Crack.com or someone. How they described what was it? What losing Kiss your, from a Rose losing sounds your like? Virginity at the Renaissance Fair. Is that what it was? That is exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it was. That's that's the best sentence I've ever heard. As soon as I uh, started singing, I saw. I mentioned to Kim as I was packing things, and I started singing to her. She wasn't a fan of that. No, I'm a big fan. I, I I love that you were singing "Kiss by a Rose" to 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 Kim. That's wonderful. She didn't, she didn't enjoy it as much as uh, you think she would. Because mm. I'm a great singer. Uh, uh, you can sing it to me anytime. Let me get the lyrics up, and I'll bring up Go my right Spotify. I'll bring up my spot. You know, Spotify has lyric support now. That's yeah. amazing. I didn't realize. Like you knew karaoke with it, basically. Truly, we live in the future. We do. So I check. I, we're that's it for our uh, our. That's that's enough. For check, checking in. <laughs> I'm pushing the button on the end of checking in. But with that, there as as something ends, something else begins. This time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Uh, what? You don't like me doing that? No, my preachers smell like coffee. I thought you liked the smell of coffee. I do. I don't want it on my books. I'll get you the new hardcovers. How about that? I'll hug you. It's for your next. That's for uh, birthday. Next birthday. Actually, I know. Oh, I know. I had an idea. Now I know. Okay. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. it. I got it now. I know what I'm going to do. I know exactly. Uh-oh. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh oh. I'm going to make you smile. Uh oh. That's impossible. <laughs> so, Nerdboy Book Club is part show. Eric and I will sign along our collective work, uh, discuss it in depth, like you would a book club. This week, we are finishing up Preacher, volume seven through nine, and the old trades. I think it's. Five and six and the newer ones that are the reprints that are still out of stock in some places, which I don't understand. That's kind of the point of reprinting things is so that they're they're available to people. Uh, but it's basically she's 41 through 66 plus tall in the saddle special, which is actually fairly disposable. Mm-hmm. It's about as disposable. I, I didn't even read it this time. It, it you do not need to at all. There's nothing, no, nothing no, in you it. Don't. Nothing in it. Um, 
This is following Jesse after he has seen Cassidy and Tulip kiss, and he's you know dumbstruck by it and kind of blown blown back, destroyed. His ego is kind of destroyed. Uh, so it follows him moving to this small town, Salvation, becoming a sheriff, finding his mother, uh, and eventually you know finding creating justice there, and eventually coming back to uh, to to Tulip and and and. and making kind of a peace with Cassidy to a certain extent and up settling his score with God in a roundabout way. There's certain, he has like a, you know, there's, it's a very kind of roundabout plan. Um, there's hard, there's some, there's a lot of star in this. Um, what are your thoughts on the, what do you think about the ending? Eric? What do I think about the ending? Does it, are you satisfied? You know, on this reread, I'm more satisfied than uh, than I had been in um, in previous reads. I, I've always looked at this ending as a little bit a little bit easy and a little bit cheap. It's I don't know. I have a lot of sort of complicated feelings about it. I suppose that it's never quite satisfied me. I don't know. The plan works a little too well. It, it, it just has always seemed like. Throughout the whole series, whenever they have any kind of adversity, they just sort of walk through it without paying the price for anything. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happened here, that the villains are just completely eradicated, you know, just completely, like, debased, defeated, destroyed entirely. Mm-hmm. And the good guys don't pay any kind of price at all. It's just like, everything is bright and happy and hunky-dory. And maybe that's, maybe it's supposed to be that kind of story from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's supposed to be, the ending is supposed to be that, that, maybe that moment in The Searchers where John, like everything about John Wayne's character completely changes and all of a sudden he's like, let's go home. Have you seen The Searchers? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know of it. I've not seen it. Well, the the ending, I don't even know if you could call it a twist. He basically spends the whole movie searching for, like, this this young girl. She's basically been, at this point in her life, raised by Indians. He is a, a crazy, like, psychopathic racist, and he's like, I will kill any Indian, and I'm going to find this girl and then kill her. And then at the end, he just sees her and picks her up, and he's like, I, let's go home. Um, And it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense given everything else in the story but it's just like the good guys win happy cowboy western story mm-hmm. ending when and i can't help but think that that's that's what this is going for yeah i i'm kind of torn on it mm-hmm. and i do agree with you that seems kind of easy yeah and not even in the fact that they don't suffer any consequences like tulip and Jesse are together, right off in the sunset. Literally, like, mm-hmm. he is fucking riding a horse. Like, it's not yes. even... Literally and, riding off into the sunset. And Cassidy is, like, reborn, given a chance to be a good man. Um, And God, quote-unquote, pays. You know, Sam Killers murders everyone in heaven. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just hanging out. Uh, It's easy because... Like this has been, and we we've only we see like glimpses of this. I think twice where Jesse talks to God, once in this part and once in the first part um, when he's at uh, the family's house. Um, but 
you never get that final confrontation. You never get a a conversation to with God and Jesse and a showdown between them. Never anything. There's no no dramatic. There's like I. That's what I wanted. I guess that like it felt like it was building towards that moment where Jesse and God and Jesse uses the word on him or something, and we get something, some kind of event. But instead, we just get the Saint of Killers just shoots him. I mean, that's a, it's fine. It just seems easy. It doesn't seem. I don't know. Like I, I wanted more. I think is it, I wanted something more, more than that. Like the mm-hmm. only and I, I think that's my. I, I think I was kind of hinting at that in our last episode about we talked a lot about Cassidy and and Jesse. It like that showdown happens between Cassie and Jesse. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great scene. That's it is. It's definitely a, is. It, it's amazing a kind of scene where, you know, Jesse beats the shit out of Cassie just because Cassie doesn't know how to fight. And uh and it's kind of becomes like an almost long speech about how Jesse like lives his life and like it's emblematic of like the entire series. But Cassie is all I mean, like it's very powerful, but it doesn't like it it seems like and it's kind of shifted this focus towards that instead of towards uh Jesse's fight with God. Like it became more about Jesse versus Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And it's and that certainly is a very amazing it's like really powerful scene, but I wanted that scene, but with God. I wanted Jesse to have a confrontation like a direct confrontation like that with God. And we never get it. You know, it's just delayed, delayed, delayed. I mean, even I guess this it segues into that the arc in Salvation, where he meets his mother. Mm-hmm. But even and I mean it's and it's certainly fine. It's not a bad. It's a. I mean, it's just hey, watch Jesse beat the shit out of guys and win over evil, <laughs> and like hey, yeah, we're all let's win. You know, because like everyone in the like he just doesn't lose, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like they don't lose. They just walk through adversity and it just gets. Yep. They it all gets fixed. Like it's a fine story, but like I couldn't agree more with John Wayne. At the end of it, he's like, "You you just been wasting time here. Didn't you have things to do?" And it just seemed like that that entire arc is just what's the point of that? Him fight like some factory owner. Like it becomes Walking Tall for some reason. Like in the middle of this saga about mm-hmm. about Jesse Custer fighting God. He suddenly is, hey, I'm a, I'm, it's walking tall. I'm a small town sheriff fighting this evil factory guy who's a, a, a ridiculous caricature. They, he's really got a problem. He's got some kind of chip on his shoulder. Uh, all these caricatures of villains, they're so ridiculous and ter- like they just are outlandishly terrible people and they have outlandishly terrible things happen to them. Mm hmm. Like how Jesse just like steps on this old man's neck when he's like humping a giant woman made out of meat. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just, that's so bizarre. And I, I, I question what, what in the hell is, I mean, is it just for shock value? Because he does like all the villains and just the villains in, in Preacher are like this way. And is it, is it just a device to, make us dislike them like can they just not spend this time to make jesse like a weird deviant or cassidy even more so um 
they only do these things to, or he only does these things to the villains. But mm-hmm. without fail, he just does. I don't know. I I I definitely. I think it started when Star lost his leg, but when he had his his genitals bitten off, you can't even take him seriously at that point. It's like, why is he even in the book? Yeah, you know he's just gonna lose and lose and lose and lose. What what statement is he trying to make with that? It's so strange. It doesn't, and that's the thing. Like, especially when you look back at that Star special, um, what was it called? Uh, One Man's War. Mm-hmm. Like, and that makes him look like such a very dedicated guy, and like he is really very interesting. I, I wouldn't. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I like him, but he's certainly an interesting character, and he like you like you're impressed he's by an his incredibly compelling character in that story. Yes, and then and even up to that point where he loses his leg, you're like it, like his whole battle with the Grail. Like in there, like you you see that like yes, he has these beliefs, and he thinks that this group that he's a part of has lost their way, and he wants to steer them in a different direction. And like the that's the thing that and if they if he had just gone with these weird things and not talked about and like even addressed them within the story, but when Ennis himself like John he writes John Wayne yelling at Jesse for wasting time, he has them talk about. Star's motivations near the end of this, like, uh, what Featherstone and, uh, what's the other, the dude's name? Um, Hoover. Hoover. Like, 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 and they literally, like, they start playing practical jokes on him. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't, and they're like, even they are addressing, like, why is he doing these things? Why has you suddenly switched to instead of trying to use Jesse, you want to kill him? And like, it, it like it is literally addressing these problems inside the story, and it, it it seems very counterintuitive that if he sees the problems with them, why continue that way? I don't know. It's very, it is very strange, and it I I don't know. It's and I don't I I I feel sorry for Tulip because she's the I don't know Tulip star. Like if you're not Jesse or Cassidy. I guess Saint of, Saint of Killers, I guess, gets some sort of thing, but not, I mean, he's in heaven. I don't, there's not much, he's just a killer. He's, but other, if those are the only two characters that get any kind of, like, arc, and not even, Je- Jesse really doesn't even have an arc. He doesn't change. No, he's static. Cassidy, completely. Cassidy's the only one. Tulip hasn't changed at all. Um, she gets a, we do see, like, some backstory on her about how she was raised by her father. Which mm-hmm. is really, it's really interesting and a, and a good little, like, mini, ch- couple mini chapters to kind of explain, you know, how, why she's such a good marksman and, you know, why her, what her belief system is and all that stuff. But it doesn't make her, like, but when we actually get to her in the story, like, yes, Jesse drugs her again. And, like, why can't, inst- I don't know. It just, it's very odd. It's very strange that, like, it, like, we use these shortcuts to, why can't Jesse and, and Tulip have a scene where he explains that he has to do this alone and either have her agree or disagree and then it just is a shortcut around all this. And then she's there anyway. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very strange. I don't know. I, I, it, like if I had read the, if, if I had read the first, the first, what, three volumes of this? And then jump to this point. I mean, like, what the hell happened? Because yeah. it it shifted the focus 
really like very clearly away from the original it seems the original in, intention of of the of or at least where it showed the the where it seemed like the book was going i don't know does do you think it think it's do you think a this a book like this has to stay on course it's it just i to me it just seems like it's such a mythic thing like that is the point like it's a preacher taking god to task like and that is like that's the selling point. When that's people you tell people that they're like wow, like yes, it's a preacher making God answer for mm-hmm. you know the crimes of the perceived crimes of God. But at the end of the day, it's the Santa Killer just shoots him. He doesn't have to answer to anything. He just dies. Mm-hmm. It seems like in this book, it 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 need when you have such like a mythic promise, you need to deliver on that, and that it sort of, it becomes the B story almost God and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they they should have done a whole lot more because I think it's kind of expecting you to come to the table with a lot of, I guess, religious frustration or something. Mm-hmm. A lot of like hatred for authority. So you're supposed to really jump on the bandwagon and be like, yeah, these bad guys should get their dicks bit off and God should get shot in the head. And you should you're supposed to be angry about all these things, I guess. Mm hmm. And when really in the story, they should have, I think they should have had God be really directly shown to do more evil. I think that would have enhanced the story to make him more of that and to set that up to where it is more. It is more God uh, versus Jesse. I don't think, I, I, I wonder if he sort of started taking it and making it, because it, it, it seems like, just like you said, that the confrontation is him and Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you could have both of those things in the same story. It just wouldn't make sense. And it does seem like this is just kind of the direction he decided to take it when he decided it was more important to do Cassidy versus Jesse. Do you think that would be the better preacher story? More, more done with, um, with God in the middle of the story. The, the whole arc with Preacher or, uh, Cassidy and Tulip handled differently and the whole climax sort of going a different direction. Do you think that's the better, more effective, like sort of second half Preacher? I, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know if it's better. It's certainly what I would, would have wanted. Like mm-hmm. it, I want the, I want the promise fulfilled of those first few volumes of this it and i don't think he actually ever gets there like cassidy just is not as an intriguing villain as god is Mm. like cassidy i mean is very interesting and i think that showdown with him and jesse is really powerful but and i and i think a lot of this book is supposed to be about about america and the promise of you know a new man and how how to live like a man i think that's what is that, that, I think what Garth Ennis is trying to, he thinks that's probably an easier story to tell a message to get across with Jesse and Cassidy uh, versus Jesse versus God. And, you know, it's Cassie's, like, that's the thing Cassie says as he walks away, it's time to live like a man or, you know, be a man or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Ennis just kind of shifted it towards that because it's an easier message to send with, you know, a living person, even if he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. That it's easier to tell it that story with those than verse than trying how Jesse trying to talk about it with God, but like 
that is just not as impressive to me, and it's not as powerful to me as a man trying to reckon with the creator. The literal, like, a literal person, a literal entity that created everything. Like, that mm-hmm. is much more interesting to me than a couple of friends duking it out, even if one is a vampire. Mm-hmm. Like, and it speaks to Ennis's talent in that he can shift the story that way and still make that scene so compelling and so incredible. But in shifting the story that way, it really does a disservice to Tulip. It it makes, I think, and that's that shift is why star becomes so unimportant and a joke. Yeah. Because he's not important. What He doesn't matter anymore. He's just another guy. Really, that- no, exactly. Pretty much every villain in the story becomes completely inconsequential doesn't matter you know that it's all gonna work out they're all inconsequential it's just bro story yeah and and i in that you haven't read any punisher max have you eric any and this is punisher max might have dabbled just a touch issue, issue there too uh seeing that salvation story the whole salvation arc with the ridiculous mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that guy's name is um odin quinn cannon yeah quinn cannon <laughs> quite a name uh like i could see like the foundations for how he set up punisher max arcs in that mm-hmm. but the thing in punisher max was frank castle is very much the same kind of archetype as jesse in a way in that he's just infinite badass who never loses mm-hmm. and how do you make that story interesting perpetually like how do you tell a com a superhero comic st- like serialized story for years and not make that boring well he always wins obviously like so how can you make that interesting and he does it in punisher max by making the villains reprehensible Mm -hmm. but not silly not funny not ridiculous like they're not fucking giant meat women like they are they're monsters like they butcher people they torture people they you know they commit genocide they barracuda Mm -hmm. from uh Fury Max, even. Yes. Like, he's yes. in Punisher Max, too. And he's, you know, he's a monster. He's, like, the worst of humanity. And that's how you make it interesting. You're like, well, you really want Cat- Punisher to kill these people. Like, they deserve it. They're monsters. They deserve to be punished. In this, you're just like, I don't... I mean, Jesse... Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't really... Cassidy... I, I'm not that angry at Cassidy that I think Jesse needs to teach him a let. God is the... He's such a big figure. Like, and the... Ennis even tries to build Cassidy even worse as, you know, because he, he has uh, Jesse run into that homeless woman mm-hmm. who tells the story about how she knew Cassidy and how he's ruined many people's lives. But it's still, it's just so inconsequent. Like, any human, any person is just not as big as God. The idea mm-hmm. of, of a God, of a Christian God is just too big. It overwhelms any, like, and that's, I, I just can't get behind, get past that fact, like, sure, Cassidy is a, a, an idiot and a, a, a monster, like a huge, like he's a bad person, a bad vampire. <laughs> bad vampire. Uh, but he's just bad not, vampire. he's just not as big as God. And I don't, that, yeah. it, that's the promise. That's what I wanted. And it just, all you get is, it's a, I think the, a bullet to the head is just too easy. Admittedly, I, have never really been satisfied by this ending. It's always been so frustrating. Yeah. And I'll, that being said, it's still really good. Like mm-hmm. all the the writing's really strong. Steve Dillon is still Steve Dillon, right? Drawing ugly people for this ugly world. Mm-hmm. That'll never stop. No. Um. 
but it just seems like it doesn't hit its potential. I feel like when I think back on the first couple of books, they really did. Like Steve Dillon was drawing it and, and Annis is writing it and they have this, this sense of purpose. You know, mm-hmm. they're doing this big epic thing. I just think about the, the drawings and the way he laid panels out. It was, it, it's like they got jaded to it. You know, they just had to take it into a different direction because they were bored with it. I don't know. It really just feels on every level very different than the first couple of stories. And that's one of the reasons, like, I was very, I was very charmed reading those first three books and, I don't know. I'm Salvation, I remember being a favorite of mine. I was not as enchanted with it this time as I was in the past. I, I wasn't as, I don't know, I wasn't as charmed by the whole reveal of, oh my god, it's his mother, what? It didn't really do quite as much for me this time. I guess it feels a little, I don't know, how did that sit with you? The reveal of his mother? Mm-hmm. Uh... I mean, it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, him just happening to stop in this small town, right? Yeah. And it's the same. Well, it's because he sees the same, uh, the same girl that his mother saw. Um, what's her name? One Eye. I can't remember. He grew. They grew up with her. But uh, you know, it, it, I guess that's the whole thing. Like, it's all uh, 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 uh what's the word? Perp, uh, perp, perp. Uh, Perpen, perp, why can't I think of that word? Perpen, dis, perpen. Are you trying to say serendipity? I don't Se- know what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, serendipity, that's the word. It doesn't, it's not, it, it doesn't start with purple. <laughs> it does not start, I think it does. That's, it's, it's, uh, it's a silent purple. Purple dip and D. <laughs> serendipity, yes, that, you know, and that, you know, they are, they see the same, same girl. And then end up, you know, in this town together. But I don't know the fact that they tie it together with this ridiculous villain in this town and the KKK for some reason. Like I don't, yeah, I, I just don't understand like that all that tying together. And then the not and the Nazi dominatrix woman who is for some reason is obsessed with Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I don't. <laughs> I mean, I like his mother as she's an interesting character, but it just seems kind of a contrivance that she has to, she's only in this town and she can never leave. You okay there, Eric? Looking at a book. Oh, okay. I didn't know what you're doing. You're just crouched down. Looks like you're sick. I'm I'm vomiting on (laughs) On my, my, uh, I've decided to puke on my keyboard. That fixes it. My tablet doesn't seem to work anymore either. I don't know. It's just, it's like very... Like you can see this, you can see the seams there. It 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 feels like it's very like I needed, I wanted a way to introduce his mother. I want him to meet his mother. We've done a lot with his father. Let's, but she's in this town. Like it's a Twilight Zone episode. Like it feels very much like she's just there and she can't leave and she never will. She's just and that town is there forever the way it is. And then Jesse comes and everything's fixed and then he leaves again. Mm-hmm. And I don't. What's the purpose of it, other than for him just to take up some time and let the Tulip, purpose is Jesse wins and let Tulip like wake up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like Batman. He's just got to win. Yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to see a Garth Ennis Batman. That'd be interesting. Hmm. I don't think we need... We don't need people to shit themselves in Batman. <laughs> Imagine a Garth Ennis Joker. Whoa. <laughs> I'm already terrified. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's hard to, like... Because the book is... Garth Ennis is such a good writer. Like, it, even with all his weird things he does, with the villains being ridiculous and dis, all the gross-out stuff, like, it's, like, still very compelling and interesting, even though it just feels like there's something there left on the table. I'm I'm curious how you... I don't know. I, I'm trying to recall how I felt the first time I read it. I think I was more satisfied than I was now. I am I'm a little bit more satisfied after this this reread than any other previous reread with the ending. Yeah. But I think that everything that you're saying is uh is quite valid. And I do think I would would, re- would have rather read the simpler preacher story that it's just good versus evil and whatever. But I mean that was really I think never his now that I say it out loud I don't think it was ever his intention. He it, it was never he was never uh, in, interested in telling the simple, the simple story. But it is odd that it's so muddled up in a genre that is a very simple story. Mm-hmm. You know, Western is all about like heroic sacrifice and the good guys winning. It's exactly what it is in most notable examples, anyway. Yeah. It's riding off into the sunset. Yeah. And where he he had it set out to show shades of gray or to, to to show characters that were thoroughly flawed and imperfect. I don't know and show the dark side of like these authority figures. I don't know. Yeah, my only like Jesse is just invincible. Mhm. Completely. And he never he's static. He doesn't really, he doesn't change. He does, he treats Tulip exactly the same at the end of the book as he does at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he still has the same, like, it's never, it never, like, it, we had the question, we brought up the question of mas- toxic masculinity in that first, in that first bit, the first three volumes we read, that mm-hmm. him and him fighting Jody and, you know, trying to know what, figure out what being a man is. And that's kind of what John Wayne represents in a certain way. And it's in the idea of his father and yes. all that. But at the end of the day, it never really goes anywhere. Like he just, he doesn't change. He doesn't have to learn anything to do that. Yeah. I think that's the, that's even, I think that's even with the story going this way. I think that's the thing that bothers me the most, honestly, because I mean, I'm not, I can't rewrite the book or we don't know what a preacher would have looked like if he had fought God, but I, that is in this, that, I mean, that is literally what he's, like, he's trying to tell Cassidy how to be a man, but we never see, we never see really, I mean, the closest I get is when he finally beats Jody, but we, I, we, there's nothing changes Jesse in any way. He, he just gets tougher. And if that's this, like, if that's the lesson here about how to be a man, it's just be, get tougher when you need to. Mm-hmm. That's not really a necessarily a good statement. No. So uh, it 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 it's kind of everything that I dislike about uh what everyone tells me being a man is. <laughs> yeah. Like and that's that's the the I think the biggest the biggest flaw with the story as it is is that Jesse doesn't learn anything. 
He just goes, he sacrifices himself, but it doesn't mean anything. He just gets brought back to life again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crying does save the day, though. He does cry at the end, but I don't, it just feels, that feels cheap, too. Mm, do you does. think that, do you think it, it you don't it, think it means no, it anything? Really feels, it feels really cheap to me. It feels incredibly cheap. Like, that should have been, I don't know, it felt, feels like that should have been, if he's, if that's gonna be the, the thing that, the beat that, you know, convinces Tulip to, uh, mm-hmm. come back to him, I just need more earlier on foreshadowing that, I guess, in, in certain ways. <sighs> anything else you wanna mention, Eric? Talk mm. about, talk about. Doing all right there. Okay. I do want to, before we go, we to touch on, have you seen anything about the preacher casting, the AMC? Have you seen I like the guy they picked for Cassidy. That's yeah. all I saw. Have you seen the uh, Tulip casting? No. It's interesting because she's not a, she's not a, you know, a, a blonde lady. Hmm. Ruth Nega is her name. She's a, let me see, Ethiopian Irish. So she's, you know, that, I think it's very interesting that they, you know, they, uh, she's in a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think, right now. Hmm. But, but she's been cast as a tulip. She does have that weird tulip hair. But, uh, I think that's very interesting that they, they went against, uh, the comic type. I don't really have a problem with it. No, I don't have a pro- I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but that it was, it was a thing that it was very like, wow, they cast someone who's not a blonde lady, a white blonde lady. So, but that's, I, I'm glad that's less of a thing now. They're like, even though I doubt that Fantastic Four movie will be any good, um, them casting Johnny Storm as a as a uh, you know a, a black guy as Johnny Storm, it doesn't really mean any anything. You can have mm. it's just you you they can be different, but uh, no, and I think I, they haven't cast Jesse yet. I'm very even though it's supposed to be it might was it Dominic Cooper who's the who's rumored to be Jesse. We'll see if that comes true. He played uh he played Howard How, Howard Stark in the uh in the Captain America movie. The first mm-hmm. one, the first Avenger. They say he might be Jesse, which he has the charisma to pull it off, I guess. But you watch that show? The AMC? Yeah, the Preacher AMC. I feel like I feel like I'm obligated to at this point. I mean, I've been reading these silly books for ages and I don't know. I would hate to <sighs> It just seems like an important cultural thing. I would hate to miss it. Yeah, I'll probably check it out just to see mm-hmm. see what they do with it. Okay, so folks, that was Preacher. The last of it. The last of Preacher. Despite our uh, complaints, we still do like Preacher. It's just... We like complaining about it as well. Yeah, we do like complaining about... We like complaining about everything. But, uh... Mostly just Preacher. Mostly. I mean, yeah. It is mostly Preacher. Uh, next week, we are going to do The Private Eye, numbers 1 through 10. By Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, oh, and, and Munza Vincente on colors. Um, yeah, digital, digital only series uh, available at panelsyndicate.com. Name your own price. So uh, you decide how much it's worth. It's DRM free. It's a kind of a, a uh, movement by uh, Vaughn and, and Martin to uh, do something that's, you know, different. Try and get another kind of digital... Uh, Venue? I don't think that's the right word. Um, digital distribution service. Yeah, distribution. There you go. Uh, kind of like a very similar to Thrillbent with Mark Wade's uh, service. This is their kind of take on it. They have their, they've host started another comic uh, 
there's other comics available there and they're, I think they're going to try and expand eventually and try and ex- offer more service. I'll offer more comics through it, but, uh, it's, it's two very talented guys working together. I purposely avoided reading it until it's done so we could do it for this. Um, very excited to see how it goes. It's all about privacy and the internet and stuff like that, which we talk about a lot. So I think we'll have something very interesting to talk about. Bring this episode to close, um, before coffee can destroy anything else. Uh, we are the handsome boys. So many lives. It it just ruins everything. We are the handsome. We are the handsome boys comics hour. Uh, you can find handsome boys comics hour dot com. Everything, uh, all new episodes there. Um, you can find you know tons of stuff there. Right, right, Eric. Our, our beautiful yes, faces. Tons. Our beautiful tons and link, tons. links to things. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash hands boys comics hour. Like us there. Twitter at HBC hour. Email us, hands boys comics at gmail.com. Uh, we'd like to hear from you guys. Please, uh, send us comments, criticisms, suggestions, compliments. We'll take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, wherever you listen to us. Uh, it helps us out, gets us new listeners, gets more eyes on the the show which we uh really appreciate we 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 like more people listening uh you can find me online on twitter at mixmasterl that's m-i-x-m-a-s-t-e-r-c-e-r-e-a-l you can catch pictures of all my cats eric (laughs) i i just killed eric apparently he's he's gone now oh he's back i live (laughs) eric I i had to look at a picture of a cat to be revived eric where can they find you online you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see most of the things I get up to online. Uh, completely exclusive, any pictures of cats. No pictures of cats. No, I have no cats. But you can go to ericzgoodnight.com to see all of those no cats. And you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is MrBadExample, spelled MRBadExample. Meow. So with that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.